be a good one. All right, so I'm going to start with a story tonight, something different. I always do that, but I'm going to start sooner. So four years ago, I transferred from UNI to North Central University in Minneapolis, which is a Christian university, and I wanted to study for ministry. And one of the first classes I had to take was this class called Biblical Principles of Evangelism, okay? And the evangelism word scared the tar out of me, because evangelism is simply sharing the gospel with people. And the gospel is the message of Jesus. So they're going to talk about how we can share our faith with people. And to be honest, I was a little nervous. So if you think that I have it all together, that I'm just like going on the streets like boom, saved, boom, saved. No, that's not how it works. I still get nervous just like you guys. So I was super nervous. But then my instructor just had this incredible teaching on evangelism. Slowly, class by class, he began to deconstruct my fears and began to give me boldness in evangelism. And obviously the Holy Spirit was working through him. But some of the fears I had was fear of rejection. You know, like, you know, what if they reject the message? And the the instructor taught me that the rejection is not a rejection of me. So when you go out and you share your faith, that's not a rejection of you, but that's a rejection of Jesus. So we don't have anything to fear with that. They're not rejecting you. And then the second thing I feared was failure. Like, what if I go and I share, and then they don't put their faith in Jesus? Then I failed, right? He taught me that, no, that's not failure. If you go and you share, that's success. So the instructor began to help me have a right view of evangelism. And now evangelism is a great joy for me to go and share my faith with people and tell them all about Jesus. So what I want to do during this series over the next few weeks as we talk about evangelism and as we talk about going and reaching out to the campus is do for you what my instructor did for me, to help deconstruct some of the fears to help give you boldness and courage in sharing your faith and give you some practical and spiritual advice on how to reach out to your friends. So I've had this series planned for about, uh, I don't know, like six months. I've been planning to talk about going to the campus, and I kept playing around with some different titles. And a couple weeks ago, I finally settled on this title, Sent. Sent. It just felt right in my spirit. And the reason is this. Oftentimes we talk about go. So go and make disciples of all nations. So Matthew 28, 19, if you throw it up on the screen, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this is the Great Commission. That's the Christian word for this thing right here, the Great Commission. Uh, uh, the mission that Jesus gave each of us to go out and do before he left the earth. He said, go and make disciples. And oftentimes we place emphasis on go, and that's important. But I think when we place emphasis on go, sometimes that causes us to feel like it's all on us. Like, hey, I have to go. Like, I have to go in my own effort and go and reach people. But I think if we can get a different understanding of this and view it more in the sense of we're sent by the King of kings and Lord of lords who knows everything about the people who we're going to share our faith with, I think it can give us greater boldness. Because if the God over the hundreds of billions of galaxies, the God who created all of this, the God who knows every single person, all their fears, all their struggles, all their thoughts and dreams, if that... God is sending us, then we can be confident because he's powerful. And that God knows the hearts of those we're going to go and talk to. So it takes the pressure off of us and begins to put the pressure more on God. So just as an, or just as an ambassador of the president goes to a foreign nation and represents the president, in witnessing to our friends and evangelizing, we are going and representing Jesus. We're not going on our own accord. We're representing Jesus. So 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, 
And this is why we have the name Chi Alpha. So listen up, because you probably wondered why we have this name. And I wondered it too at times, but I didn't choose it. So anyways, verse 20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So Christ's ambassadors, Chi Alpha, the Greek letters for, or for the C or whatever, and the A, it's Alpha and Chi, but anyways, Christ's ambassadors. That's why we have the name. So in Chi Alpha, we believe that just one of the chief callings, one of the chief things we want our students to do, and something that we want each of our students to embody is being Christ's ambassador on the campus, being God's representative on the campus. We don't want to just have a Christian group where we come together and encourage each other, which that's a good part. If you read my blog today, I'm sure like four of you did, then I talked about that. We should encourage each other, but it's not just that. We should also go and reach, or go and reach out to other people and tell them about Jesus and, and pray that they would be reconciled to God. So if you're a Christian tonight, you are probably aware of the call to go and make disciples. You've been told this, you've been taught this, you've been, like if you've been in, in church since you were young, then you've been taught ever since uh, like you were five years old, you've been taught, go make disciples, tell your friends about Jesus. And I know because I've actually lived it myself that each of us struggle with actually doing this. We know in our heads, hey, we're supposed to go, we're supposed to to share our faith. We're supposed to tell people about God. But there's different reasons why we struggle. I think uh, the main reason is we don't like to get out of our comfort zone. So getting out of our little zone, our little place of comfort is difficult. Trust me, I struggle with that all the time. I think um, others of us struggle with, like, what might happen if we reach out? Will that person think differently of me if I reach out and tell them just about Jesus? And there's others of us who are motivated by guilt and not by love, so that causes us to struggle. If you're motivated by guilt to reach out to your friends, then you're going to have a tough time doing it because guilt's a terrible motivator. But instead, love can compel you to do things that you never thought you would do. There's different reasons why we struggle with this. And I think another one, so the last one I'll say, is I think we struggle because we think, hey, I don't have the theological expertise or the understanding of the Bible to share the gospel with people. So what I want to do tonight, and then over these next few weeks, but specifically tonight, is talk about some ways we can overcome these fears in evangelism, some of these struggles we have. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Old Testament tonight. It's like the first time I preached on the Old Testament in a long time at Chi Alpha. It's going to be Deuteronomy chapter 1. So there's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible. And as you're turning there, I just want to say, I'm so glad that you're here. If you're new tonight, I think I try to talk to most people, but if you're new tonight, please introduce yourself to me after service. I'd love to meet you. I'm so glad that you've come to hang out with us tonight. And if you're back, I'm so glad you're back. Praise God you came again. Praise the Lord. I'm so thankful for that. So does anyone in here know what the Torah or the Pentateuch is? All right, okay, we got some smart people in the room. Good. You took Humanities 1 and you paid attention. The Torah or the Pentateuch it's the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, or for us, the Old Testament. That's the title of it in some. And really, uh, these five books are the story first of the uh, beginning of the world and how God called Abraham out of uh, the land of something I forgot. I should totally know that, but let's just forget it. So anyways, he calls him out of the land, and he tells him to go, and he's going to make him into a great people. And then he has a bunch of kids, and then there's the Israelites. Or So those are all of his kids at this point. There's like 
just tons and tons of these Israelites, and then they get put in slavery in Egypt. Okay, I'm giving you like the tiny, tiny spark note version. And then Moses, this leader, comes, and he frees them from Egypt. And then they wander around in the desert for, for 40 years trying to find this place called the Promised Land where it flows with milk and honey. Now, for us, we're like, milk and honey? Like, what the heck? But for them, that was a big deal for some reason. Our milk and honey, anyways, is flowing. And, and they're looking for the milk and the honey. And then for 40 years, they're wandering. And then eventually, at the end of these five books, they get to the Promised Land. And Deuteronomy, specifically, as that's the book we'll be looking at, tonight is the fifth book, and really, it's more of a sermon than a book. So Moses is trying to give them a motivational speech, uh, so to speak, uh, to encourage them to be faithful to the laws that they were given 40 years prior so that they can be successful in what God has called them to do, which is inhabit the promised land and to be a light for the nations. So at the time of Moses' uh, sermon, uh, when we're reading in Deuteronomy, the Israelites are on uh, the eastern border of the promised land, and they're about ready to go take it. They're about ready to go in and conquer the promised land and fulfill what God has called them to do. And this is significant. They're staying on the border, and this is significant because a generation before, they were on the eastern border. Wait, the southern border. I think I just said the eastern border. Let me see. Yeah, southern border. So a generation before, they're on the southern border, and they're about to take it, but then they got scared, and they didn't do it, and they were unsuccessful. So Moses, in chapter 1 of Deuteronomy, is going back and recounting that first failed attempt and saying, don't make the same mistake twice. Don't make the same mistake twice. Take the promised land this time. So tonight what I want to do is read that story as Moses goes back and recounts the first failed attempt and apply it to our mission on the campus to go and reach it. Because in a sense, we're not unlike the Israelites. We're standing on the border of God's promises for our campus And the only thing that I think will stop us is fear. We're standing on the promise of God's, we're standing on the border of God's promise to reach the 12,000 students on our campus who desperately need God. They need Jesus. They desperately need the love of God. They need that. And we're standing on the border here and we're considering, do we want to step out in faith? Do we want to get out of our comfort zone? Do we want to share our faith with people who need to hear it? So tonight I want to look at this text and I want to see what it can teach us about being obedient to God and see what it can tell us about seeing our vision to reach this campus come to pass. All right, so verse 19 is where we're at. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 19. It's on the screen. If you have your Bibles, and that's amazing. I see some Bibles, praise God. All right, we're going to read it. It says this, Then we set out from Horeb and went through all that great and terrifying, or terrifying wilderness that you saw, And on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us, and we came to Kadesh Barnea. So he's recounting that first failed attempt. And then I said to you, I said, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. You'll see that phrase all throughout the Bible. Do not fear. Do not fear. Then all of you came near me. So Moses says, you all came up to me. and You said, let us send men before us that they may explore the land for us and bring us forward again of the way by which we must go up in the cities into which we shall come. This thing seemed good to me, and I took 12 men from you, one man from each tribe. And they turned and went up into the hill country and came to the valley 
of Eshcol and spied it out. And they took in their hands some of the fruit of the land and brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, it's good land that the Lord our God is giving us, but you would not go up. So they said, it's good. This is great. God's going to give it. But then you wouldn't go up. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. We're almost done. Just a few more verses. And where are we going up? Our brothers have, have made our hearts melt, saying, The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. So these are like big people. Then I said to you, Do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you himself will fight for you. Mm, that's good. Come on. The Lord himself will fight for you. Do you believe that God fights for you? You know, Romans 8 says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? So God's saying, I'll fight for you, but they're still scared. And he says, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. He says, you've seen it before. And in the wilderness, uh, just where you have seen how the Lord your God has carried you, just as a man carries his son, all the way that you went until you came to this place. But in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord. How tragic is that? You did not believe the Lord your God who went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents in fire by night and in the cloud by day to show you just by what way you should go. Really a tragic story. They're on the edge of the promise that God has for them and they just allow fear to hinder them from doing what God had called them to do and what God had literally spoken and said, I'm going to do this. They allowed fear to hold them back. So tonight's sermon is called Overcoming Fear. We're going to talk about how we can overcome the fear of sharing God's love with our friends. And the main idea is this, if you're taking notes, it's this, we are sent to our campus with confidence in our hearts because the Holy Spirit is already preparing the way for us. We are sent to our campus with confidence in our hearts because the Spirit of the living God is already preparing the way for us. Let's pray over that tonight. God, we thank you for your presence. Jesus, I thank you for that fun hick song at the beginning, glorious day. I was riding a horse around here in my spirit. It was so good, Lord. Thank you for the worship team. Thank you for that song. All right, nobody laughed. All right, anyways, Lord, I'm going on. God, I thank you for your presence tonight. I thank you for these students. And Lord, I pray that your word would come alive to us tonight, and that you would cut through the barriers we have, and that you'd help us to overcome our fears. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right. So you know the drill by now. I give a main idea, and then I kind of break it down into some points. So here's the first point tonight. God wants to partner with us to reach the hearts of students at UNI. I think the first thing before we jump into this series that God wants us to know is that he actually wants to reach our friends. He wants to reach those who are furthest from him. If we want to overcome our fear in reaching out to our friends, then we need to know that God actually wants to do it. God is on our side. God desperately wants to use us to reach our friends. He loves the students on our campus way more than we do. Like, we love the students about this much. God's like way past the ceiling, crazy, off the charts, love. So much love that he sent his son to die for them and sent his son to die for us. He knows everything about these students. He knows their struggles, their dreams. And maybe you're in this place tonight and you don't know Jesus. And 
And this is for you as well. He knows your struggles. He knows your dreams. He knows your greatest hopes, your greatest fears. He knows the sins you've committed, but he loves you so much that he wants someone to go to you and to tell you about Jesus. And for you Christians in this room, God wants to use you to share his love with people. In our story, the Israelites struggled to understand that God actually wanted to give them the land and that he was going to make it happen if they were obedient. Verses 20 through 21 says, And I said to you that you've come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. I could just say that all night because we'd say it a hundred times and we still fear. Do not fear or be dismayed. So notice in verse 20, it says that you've come to this hill country. You've come to this spot. And the Lord your God is giving it to you. He's going to give it to you if you're obedient. He will give it to you. God's already giving us the campus. I believe that. God wants to reach hearts on our campus. He's already said, I want to reach these students. I love them, but I need someone to go be my ambassador. God is already giving us the land. But then in verse 22, they begin to try to rationalize and try to control the situation. And they aren't, or they aren't immediately obedient. I think we undervalue just being immediately obedient, just saying right away, yes, God, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. Sometimes we have to, oh, I got to pray about it for six weeks. No, stop. Stop. You're just sitting there and you're just pushing it off. Sometimes you just need to do it. If God told you to do it in the scriptures, go do it. You don't need to pray about it. Oh, should I reach out to this person? No, just please, just do it. If God gives you opportunity, just go and reach out. Don't try to rationalize. So verse 22 says, Then all of you came near to me, and you said, Let us send men before us. You know, they have a better idea than God. We need to go check it out and make sure there's really honey there. And bring us the word again of the way by which we must go up and the cities into which we shall come. I think we can relate with these Israelites here. I know I can. A lot of times God tells me to do something. I have to try to rationalize it, try to figure it out. And I'm not saying don't pray. I'm not saying don't think. You know, God wants us to use wisdom. But if God has told you to do something, if God's given you opportunity, then you need to be obedient. I think oftentimes when it comes to reaching out to our friends, we, this is one of the big things we try to do. We try to check it out and see if, or see if they have a heart that's open to Jesus. You know, like, have they grown up in church? Like, do they have a Christian background? Like, will they be likely to respond positively if I share my faith? And we count people out before ever giving them an opportunity. We count them out before we ever share with them. Like, how do you know what God might do in a heart? For my parents, both of them did not grow up in church, had zero background in church. And nobody told them about Jesus until they were 26, 27 years old. And as soon as someone told them about Jesus, they began to go on that journey to faith in Jesus. But they needed someone to be obedient. They needed someone to be obedient. And I'm sure that they crossed paths with many people who were disobedient to God. Let's not let us be that people who are disobedient, but instead let's be just immediately obedient and do what God has called us to do. And some of you may be called to simply plant a seed in someone's heart. You know, sometimes we think, oh, I got to get them from here all the way to there. So all the way from, you know, super rebellious towards God, and I got to get them to faith in Jesus and excitement. And yes, we want to get people there, but sometimes God has just called you to plant a seed. Just plant one little seed in their heart. Just plant seeds day by day. Just love them. Look them in the eyes. Care about them. Those are ways to plant seeds. 
In second, or 1 Corinthians 3, 6, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, some plant seeds, some water the seeds, but God gives the growth. God gives the growth. It's not on us. Like, yes, we have to be obedient and share, but their response is not on us. That's why our mission statement is to give people opportunity. We don't say to make people love God, but no, we give opportunity for people to encounter the love of God. We can only give opportunity. We can't force conversion. So my instructor in Bible college had two great facts of the universe. And I was excited when he said that. I was like, this is going to be really, really good. The first one was this. There is a God. The second one is you are not him. There is a God and you are not him. Guys, we have to understand that in evangelism or else we're going to be daunted and wore out as we try to force people to be converted. You are not God. You cannot save someone. You can't be clever enough to get someone to put their faith in Jesus. That's a pretty, a pretty life-altering decision. You can't say, hey, I'm going to say it this way, and then they're going to get saved. No, it's not on you. No, it's on God. Okay, it's not on you. It's on God. All right, so during last spring break, or for every spring break, we take a mission trip here at Chi Alpha, and this year we're going to Trinidad and Tobago, which is in the Caribbean. You got to go. I'm telling you, if you... Just be obedient, all right? Just say yes. Don't pray. I'm kidding. Pray about it, whatever, but come. So anyways, last year we went to Atlanta. And for one of the extra, or so the cool thing about the Atlanta trip is really it was about training us to do this at home. So one of the things they did, because uh, we were reaching out to the inner city, it's the Dream Center we partnered with, which is this amazing organization that just reaches out to the homeless, to prostitutes, to those caught in sex trafficking, and they try to bring the hope of Jesus to the inner city. It's an amazing organization but it's crazy. One day they said, we're going to go onto the train. So I'm thinking we're going to go like rescue people from prostitution. No, we're going on a train and you're going to go sit down next to someone and tell them about Jesus. I'm like, this is not my kind of thing. I just wanted to love on someone who was broken. But no, I have to go and sit next to a stranger and tell them, or tell them uh, just about Jesus and his love for them. So I get on the train and I tell God, I say, the first person I see, I'm going to just sit there. I'm just going to do it. First person I see, this guy's got his headphones in. He's writing something down. I pop a squat next to him. I'm like, this is my dude. It's my guy. And I sit there. And I'm trying to think of a way to talk to him because he's got his headphones in. So I boldly kind of touch him, like, hey, can I talk to you? Takes his headphones out and he's like, dude, what do you want? But in it was a pretty nice way. He wasn't mean about it. But I asked him what he was up to. I was like, hey, what are you up to, bro? He's like, I'm listening to music. Plus, I'm writing some lyrics. He's like, I'm a rapper trying to get big. I go, oh, that's cool, man. Can I see your lyrics? He's like, sure. He's a super nice guy. So I began to read his lyrics, and they're very explicit, but I was like, oh, that's great. And then, uh, <laughs> then he shows me his music on SoundCloud, and I follow him on SoundCloud from the Kyle account, because we have a SoundCloud. <laughs> follow him. And I was like, you should follow us back, so maybe he'll listen to the sermon. I don't think he ever followed us back. But anyways, and we're talking, and I told him why we were there in Atlanta. I didn't tell him what we were doing on the train, but you know, I told him why we were there. And so he found out we're a Christian group. And then he began to share that he had, uh, did not grow up in church, but his wife's a Christian. And he put his faith in Jesus through his wife, uh, just reaching out to him and telling him about Jesus. She did some missionary dating, probably. I don't advise that, okay? We'll talk about that in February during our love and dating series, but don't do the missionary dating. Okay, anyway, she did that, though. And he put his faith in put his faith in Jesus, but obviously he wasn't quite living it out as he, like I read his lyrics, you know, just imagine explicit rap. I was going to say something, but no. So just imagine it. But anyway, so 
And I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me a word for him. That happens sometimes in evangelism. Like, like sometimes we complain that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to us enough. But guys, the Holy Spirit speaks to us when we step out in faith. Like if you never step out in faith, you're not going to hear the Holy Spirit probably. Like you need to get to a spot where you need him to help you. Because if you're just like sitting in your dorm every day, you know, reading your Bible, and that's great, please do that. It's amazing. But you're just doing that and never stepping out of your comfort zone, the Holy Spirit probably will not speak to you very much. But in that moment, I felt like the Spirit spoke to me and said, tell him that he's supposed to use his gifts for my glory. So I just said it. I said, all right, bro, this is what I got for you. I feel like God's telling me to tell you this. And he processes it for a second, you know, thinks about it. Then he looks at me, and he's like, and this is word for word. Like, I had it wrote down in my journal, but he's like, I feel like God sent you, sent you, sent, sent you to me today to tell me that. This was not an accident. God set up the events of that day, even through some, or some exercise of trying to learn to share our faith. God used that to share that with him. And I don't know what he did. I've been, I, I went home and unfollowed him right away because there's like a big butt on the picture, so I had to unfollow it. But anyways, for the SoundCloud thing. But, uh, <laughs> but like, I don't know what happened with this music. I have no idea. That's not up to me. But God only called me to be obedient in that moment, and I can't you know, walk along the whole journey with him because he lives in Atlanta. If he lived here, maybe I'd try to do that. But God just called me to plant a seed that day. I'm praying that, that his wife and other people came alongside him afterwards and began to help him obey Jesus. But the key is knowing that God wants to use you. God wants to redeem even the most mundane moments to share his love with people. So maybe start sitting in the dining center next to people who are sitting by themselves and strike up a conversation. You don't need to be like, hey, can I tell you about Jesus right when you sit down? But just talk with them and see if God might open a door. And he may not do it every time. He may not open a door. And we'll talk about divine appointments. So get that phrase in your head, divine appointments, in two weeks, about how God can set up these events. But, but sit next to someone in the dining center or choose to, every day when you get to your class, to look for an empty seat uh, next to someone who doesn't have a friend sitting next to them and go sit next to them. Say, I'm looking for the empty seat when you go into any situation and allow God to give you opportunities. All right, so we've established that God wants to use us and that God loves our campus. But we all still struggle to some extent, even though we know this in our head. So the second truth that I think we need to get tonight is this, and I already said this, but I'm going to say it in a point because I think it's that important. It's we fear what might happen if we reach out to our campus. We fear what might happen if we reach out to the campus. We can know these truths in our head, but it doesn't matter. We still fear what might happen as we reach out to our campus. And I highlight this specifically as a point because I want you to know that you're not alone. Just as Jacob said, and we did not talk about the ministry moment or anything like that before service, but he talked about how Satan wants you to feel like you're alone when it comes to confessing your sins. And, and that applies to feeling inadequate in evangelism um, that applies to having fear in your heart. Satan wants you to feel like you're alone, but I promise you that probably 95% of the people in this room struggle with getting out of their comfort zone. They struggle to share their faith. We ask questions like, will they reject our message? Like we ask questions like, will they feel like I'm pushing my religion on them? Or will it hurt our friendship? And these are honest, genuine concerns. And the Israelites had their own fears as they were attempting to take the promised land. Verse 26 through 28 says, Yet you would not go up, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the 
hand of the Amorites to destroy us. And where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying, The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we have seen the sons of Anakim there. So the Israelites did not go up because the other guys were huge. They were tall. Their cities were great and fortified. And I just try to think, how big were their cities really compared to ours today? It's probably like this tall, it's fortified. But anyways, they failed to remember, though, in those circumstances that God is much bigger and taller than their enemies. God could crush those fortified cities in an instant. By the snap of his finger, he could crush those cities. Oftentimes, when we're faced with adversity or fears, we look at the mountain in front of us, and we tell God that our mountain is too big. We say, God, look at this mountain. I could never do that. When what we should do is look at the mountain in front of us and tell the mountain just how big our God is. So you don't know who my God is. They should have looked at that city and said, you don't know who our God is. But they failed to do that. They failed to have the right perspective. So when we look at our campus and we consider the hostility that some have to the gospel or the indifference that some have to the gospel, we should not cower in fear, but instead we should see it as an opportunity for God to show his glory. I want to see those who are furthest from God come to Jesus this year. I'm praying that those who you think they would never come to the Lord, I'm praying that God would show his strong arm and save them. He's able to do it. He's capable. God is able to do far more abundantly than all you could ever ask or imagine. God is able to grab the hearts that are furthest from him. Do you believe that in this place? Do you believe that? Come on. You've got to believe in your hearts. Do you believe that God is able? Do you believe that the God that is depicted in these scriptures is the same God who lives today? Because if you do, that should change the way you operate. The greatest hindrance to our campus being reached is fear. Satan wants to prevent us from carrying out the mission to make disciples of all nations by planting fear in our hearts. And there's two fears. I talked about these, but the fear of failure and the fear of rejection. But we shouldn't fear failure because our success is determined upon our obedience, not their response. And we should not fear rejection because they're rejecting Jesus, not us. And if we do get rejected... How glorious is that? Because we get to be more like Jesus who was rejected in the worst of ways. And another key to overcoming fear and evangelism is to make friends, to stop viewing people as projects to be completed, like, hey, I got to get this person saved, but instead say, hey, that person could be my next best friend. That person could be my friend. Friendship is the bridge over fear when it comes to evangelism. Go and make friends of all nations, all right? And then when God gives you the opportunity, share your faith in the context of a loving friendship, not in the context of, hey, I'm here to tell you how to get saved today. I'm not going to talk to you again after this, but I'm going to come in, do a drive-by shooting, try to get you saved, and then go off and run away. That's too easy. God's called us to make friendships on the campus, and not just so they get converted. Like, guys, the motive cannot be, I hope they get converted. The motive has to be, I love people so desperately that I just want to make friends and I want to show them the love of God regardless of how they respond. We need that heart, and we have that heart as a group. We're going to see our campus reached. But as long as we view it as these little projects to be completed, this campus will not be reached. So one of my best friends is a guy named Hamad Abbas. He's a stud. I love Hamad. He won our fantasy football championship last year. There's like two guys in my league, so they're over there smiling. But so Hamad was born in Sudan, okay? And he's a Muslim by birth. And I've known Hamad since we were in middle school. We were both on C team in basketball, which if you don't know that, that stands for crap. 
You're on the crap team in basketball. I had so many air balls that year, but I did have one hook shot like this just went in. I don't know how it happens, but anyways, so we were on C team. We were on the yellow squad together, and Ahmad was point guard, and that dude cannot dribble a basketball if his life depended on it. He'd run so happy. He's got this little kind of fro thing, just hopping, and they'd steal it from him every time, I swear, but that's how me and Ahmad bonded, and then we bonded in high school more, uh, just more so by going out to lunch every day, which don't do that. Don't go to McDonald's every single day for lunch. Not a good idea, but anyways, we did that. Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, McDonald's, Burger King, just like this rotation because we're in high school and our metabolism goes very fast. But anyway, so we did that. And then we bonded over politics. So Hamad and me disagree on 75% of things in politics. But somehow, some way, we can have a friendship and talk through things. You know, if you know us, me and Hamad are not very similar. We're different in politics. He's a Muslim. I'm a Christian. He's black. I'm white. But somehow God just brought us together and we have an amazing friendship and we're still friends to this day. And Hamad was in my wedding just last summer, so Hamad's living in Washington, D.C., pursuing politics. He's probably the only person that I vote for who believes what he does just because I love him, okay? And he's amazing. He'd be a good leader. But anyways, besides the point, we're going to just drop politics. But anyways, so Hamad lives in D.C., and this summer we went there and we spent time with him. And the thing about my relationship with Hamad is he knows like, where I'm at in my faith. He saw me get saved. He saw me go from darkness to light. He watched the whole thing, and it blew his mind. It was fun to watch how that blew his mind. I was one way, and then I completely transformed. And Ahmad, like every time I'd post stuff about Jesus on Facebook, he'd like it because he was just pumped for me. He's like, wow, this is so cool what God's doing in his life. You know, he just kind of had that view. And me and Ahmad, we can talk through the gospel. I've shared the gospel with him a number of times. But it's never this pressure. There's never like this weight where he has to get converted. And if he doesn't, I'm just going to leave. Instead, it's, hey, we're best friends, and we love each other, so we're going to share the truth with each other, or what we believe is the truth. And we can continue on being friends regardless of how he responds. So I pray that each of us would get that mindset today. Make friends with people who are different than you. And it's okay to have convictions and to say, I'm not going to change the way I believe about these things, but to have friendships with people who don't believe the same as you do. So I pray that we do that on this campus, that, that each of us would go out and we'd be friend makers. we just go make a ton of friends, and disciples will be made naturally through that. All right, so here's the last thing. I think this is the kicker of the night. It's the part I really want you to get. Third point, we should not fear because the Holy Spirit goes before us and fights for the hearts of students. If we want to reach out without fear, we have to get this. We have to know that God is fighting for the hearts of students on our campus. When we sleep at night, God is in the business of pursuing hearts through dreams. Do you believe that? God is in the business, or the business of pursuing hearts as we sleep. He's putting thoughts into people's heads. He's speaking to people. He's trying to reveal himself. When we're doing homework, God is working on hearts. When we're home for the weekend, chilling with mom and pop, God is drawing people to himself. God works 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He's always fighting for hearts. He's seeking to woo people to himself. The redemption of hearts, again, is not on us but it's on him. He's the redeemer, and we're simply the messengers. All we must do is realize we are his sent ones, his ambassadors, and communicate Jesus naturally with those we come across. So this leads me to my final part of the passage I want to look at tonight, verse 29 and 31. Moses says it well here. He says, do not be in dread or be afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you himself will fight for you. Mm, that is so good. We'll fight for you. And that doesn't just, or just apply to evangelism. 
God fights for you. Praise God for that. Just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. He says, remember that in Egypt? He freed you from Pharaoh. He did some crazy stuff. Some frogs were flying from heaven. Some crazy stuff was happening. God freed you. And in the wilderness where you're sitting out there and you're, you know, they'd whine about food. They'd whine and whine and whine. And then God would send a ton of manna down from heaven, just like a buttload, like this high up all across this room, but like miles, that much food. God took care of them in the wilderness. It says, where, it says, where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you. And think about this. Just as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. The Israelites were full of fear because of the size of their opposition. But then Moses implores with them, do not fear because God fights for you. So we must remember that the Holy Spirit is at work and he does the heavy lifting in our evangelism efforts. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is the one who does the heavy lifting in your Christian life? It doesn't just apply to evangelism. It also applies to our pursuit of holiness. The Holy Spirit is the one doing the work. We just have to say, hey, yes, I'm willing. Yes, I'm willing. We have to give the Holy Spirit our yes and allow him to work in us. The Holy Spirit is the one doing it. Don't give yourself that much credit. It's the Holy Spirit. God is at work before, during, and after your conversations with people about Jesus. Before you ever get there, God is preparing their hearts. God is speaking to them. He's working 24-7. During your conversation, God will give you words to say. God will help you to reach out. And then afterwards, God will continue to deal with them. It's not on you. It's on God. But God gives us the incredible opportunity. It's an opportunity, not a burden. Like God will not say, hey, I don't love you if you don't do this. God doesn't say that. It's an opportunity to be a part of God's story on the campus. It's not a burden. It's a privilege. We get this incredible opportunity to be a part of his story. So two years ago, we went to Vegas for a mission trip. And this time, we did door-to-door evangelism. So we would just go and knock on doors. If you want to get in the fear zone, here you go. Knock on door in the hood of Vegas, and then see what happens. All right, so they open the door. There's one lady who's like hiding behind this like killer dog. Get away from me. Get out of here. It was scary. So anyways, but there were some very good conversations. The first two days didn't go that well, but the third day, God began to set some pieces up, and some amazing conversations happened, and some conversions happened. So we knock on this door. There's this dude who has like no trespassing. You have to like go through a bunch of stuff to get to his trailer, and he like looks out his window. He's like, hey, what do you want? And we tell him we want to pray with him, and he says, all right, come in. So I'm like, I don't know if I want to go in there. But anyways, we go in, and he begins to tell us about how uh, his best friend and his mom died in the last three months. Both of them died. And he's just sharing his junk, sharing his story. And we're talking, and, and I tell him about Jesus. I tell him about Jesus' love for him. And again, same phrase. He says, I feel like God sent you to me today. He literally said that. I can remember him saying that. I'm not making it up just to fit with the series. He said, God sent you to me today. And I prayed a prayer of salvation with that man. His name was Tim, or his name is Tim. And I don't know where he's been since, but I'm praying that God has continued to grow him. So this happens. We're feeling pumped. We're feeling jacked. And we go down the street, and we knock on the last door on the road. It's our last house of the day. And this kid comes out, and he seems very timid. And we you know, ask him if we can pray for him. He's like, sure. And then we start to talk. And he tells us how he grew up in the Mormon church and had some really bad experiences there. And I told him, I was like, hey, man, this is what... You know, Jesus has for you, and I shared the gospel with him, and he had tears in his eyes, and we prayed a prayer of salvation with him as well. So God was setting things up that day to reach those people. So you think about the three stories I've told about uh, the guy in Atlanta and these two people. Two of them had said that, I feel like God sent you to me. 
God wants to send you to people. God sends us all the time, but I don't feel like we go most of the time. God wants to send you. These are just opportunities where I had to evangelize, where someone told me, go and do this, and then people felt like that I was sent by God. But what if we did this every single day? What if we viewed every single day as an opportunity to go and be sent to someone? When we, or when we remember that God loves people like way more than we do, and he's at work in hearts, then it helps us with our fear. When we remember that God has sent us on a mission, and that the redemption of the campus is not primarily on us, but on God, it helps dismantle our fear. And the sad thing about Deuteronomy in verse 32 says, in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God. So my prayer for us as the people who represent Jesus on the campus is that there be no one in this room who allows fear to hold you back from reaching out to our campus with the love of God. I pray that we would deal with our fears, we'd put them at the feet of Jesus, and then allow love, and not guilt, love, to motivate us to go out and do what God has called us to do. And I believe the key to reaching out is there's really two things, there's two pieces of this. This is where we start. So first thing is you have to be honest tonight. So I pray that you be honest with Jesus and say, hey, I struggle with this. I get really scared. I get fearful. Like, this isn't easy for me. I pray that you be honest. That you tell Jesus about what you're struggling with. And then the second thing is I pray that you be available. That you tell Jesus, hey, I struggle with this, but can you help me? Can you help me to reach out to my friends? So honesty and availability. The worship team would come up. We're going to close. So the main idea tonight, again, is this. We are sent to our campus with confidence in our hearts because the Spirit is already preparing the way. The Spirit is already preparing the way for us. So no matter where you're at tonight, I know that every person in here, every single person struggles with fear to some extent. It may not be an evangelism. Maybe you're just like crazy, like super extroverted and excited. You want to go tell everybody. But most of us do struggle with that. But everyone struggles with fear to some extent. We struggle to get out of our comfort zones. And specifically, if you're a Christian, like I said, you struggle to share your faith. And Jesus, he did command us. It wasn't an option. He commanded us. He said, go, make disciples. And sometimes we blow it. Sometimes we miss the mark. We don't go. We don't be the sent ones. We don't succeed in being the sent ones. Sometimes we fail to share our faith when given the opportunity. We've all, including myself, tons of times, including myself, tons of times, we all fail in that way. We've all failed. So nobody here is perfect tonight. Nobody's here is perfect. But praise God that he doesn't judge us based upon our ability to get out of our comfort zones. All right? Praise God. He's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. But he has more for you tonight. He has more for you. But it starts with a come to Jesus moment where you confess that you've been letting fear dictate your actions. That you've been letting fear cause you to be disobedient to the king. It starts with that honest confession tonight. Some of us have kept our faith to ourselves and we've not pursued the people who God loves desperately and wants relationship with. God has called us to be his ambassadors. He's called us to pursue people with the same passion and love that he pursued us with that's our calling. So tonight, we need to be forgiven for allowing our fears to dictate our actions. We need 
forgiveness in this place, including myself. And if you walked in here tonight and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I pray that you'd make him the Lord of your life. The amazing thing about Jesus is he doesn't say, figure it all out, clean yourself up, and then come to me. He doesn't say, hey, you got to be a juggernaut in evangelism before you can come to me. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, hey, you got to know how to get out of your comfort zone before you can come to me. No, Jesus experienced the ultimate discomfort so we could be saved. He was crucified on a cross. He was rejected by the people he loved, his own people. Then he went into a tomb for three days, was dead, good as dead, completely dead. There's no life in him. And then after three days, he rose from the dead and he declared death defeated. He declared fear defeated. He said, through me, you can have no fear. He says, like, now I'm not just telling you, do not fear as I did in the Old Testament, but I'm giving you the way to not have fear, which is through knowing that I have defeated death, sin, hell, and the grave. So now we ask, as Hebrews asks, he says, in the book of Hebrews, he says, what can man do to me? What can man do to me? Because even if they kill us, which I'm not saying it's going to happen, it's probably not going to happen on the campus. Praise God. Thank God for that. But even if they killed you, you would be with Jesus tomorrow. You'd be with Jesus in heaven. Come on, how amazing is that? So Jesus took the sting out of fear. He took the sting out of death. He defeated it. He conquered it. And now tonight, if you put your faith in Jesus, or if you come back to him, then you can live a life of being saved, of being his kid, of being a person who can operate without fear because you have a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the maker of the heavens and the earth. Come on, somebody. That's the best news we could ever hear. And that's the news we're called to go and share. We're called tonight to recognize that God has an amazing plan for our campus. We're called to go and share his love. We don't need to overthink it. You don't need to feel a bunch of pressure. We don't need to try to figure out how people will respond. But instead, God says, be obedient, be willing, and let me take care of the rest. But it starts with this. It starts with love. It starts with love. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, it says, The love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us. So I pray tonight that you would allow the love of God to flow in your heart, to flow in your being, and allow you to go out and share your faith out of a pure place of love to people. So if you would stand with me tonight, we're going to pray along those lines. We're going to ask God to give, or to give us love as our motivation. You just bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to give you an opportunity. If you came in this place tonight and you don't know Jesus, I believe tonight is your night. I believe God brought you here for a reason. I believe God wants to have a relationship with you. And it's amazing. All we have to do is confess with our mouth that he is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. So if you just close your eyes, bow your heads. If that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in him. I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I just want you to slip up your hand. You're signaling to God that you want relationship with him. So one, two, three, put up your hands. See that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Tons of hands going up in this place tonight. You can put your hands down. I'm just going to pray that prayer of confession that Jesus is Lord and that we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. And I want you to pray that with me. It's in your heart. God, we believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And Jesus, we believe that you are Lord. God, we declare that you are Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you're the maker of the heavens and the earth. You're the one who's always been and the one who will always be. And you died for us. And Jesus, we don't just believe that you died for us, but we also believe that you were raised from the dead and you defeated death, sin, hell, and the grave. 
We thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. And the second thing is this tonight. There's a couple ways to respond to this, but you can all raise your hands for the same thing. If you feel like God needs to just download uh, some of his love for people into your heart tonight, maybe you struggle to love people and you just need a download of his love, then I want you to respond. If, if you need to be set free from your fear tonight, then you need to raise your hand. I believe you need to give that to God. If you feel like you've been disobedient to God and you're a Christian tonight, you've been disobedient and you've not shared your faith when he's called you to do, then tonight confession needs to happen. So I pray on the count of three that you'd raise your hand. One, two, three. Put up your hands. Tons of hands going up. God, I pray that you would see our hearts in this place. God, I pray that you would see our confession and our repentance for not being the ambassadors of Christ that you called us to be. And God, I pray for a supernatural download of love into our hearts. God, I pray that your love would control us, as 2 Corinthians 5, 14 says. God, I pray that your love would compel us to go and to reach out and to tell people just how much you love them. God, I pray that this campus would not be the devil's playground, but instead would be a place where the kingdom of God reigns. God, I pray that the kingdom would rush in on this place. God, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on the campus of you and I, just as it is in heaven. God, I pray that heaven would come down in this place and that you would use us to reach our campus. God, we love you so much and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of in the strong name of Jesus, we pray. In the greatest of all times name, we pray. Amen.